Welcome to episode 85, that's right, 85 of the Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN studio located in beautiful, scenic, and rather swampy, if you will, South Minneapolis here on your 48th and Chicago, just a little ways off the creek, just a touch north of the creek and about 10 blocks south of where George Floyd was murdered. I know, why do I keep going on about it? Oh, because a man was murdered in broad daylight in our city streets. I don't want to start on a down note. Uh, Instead, I want to start on something up uplifting, something positive, something unifying. Uh, by the way, hello, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I wanted to start with something uplifting and, and unifying and something that points to a brighter tomorrow for all of us. And that would be what went down last night, night one of the Republican National <laughs> Convention. Ah, <laughs> oh, sarcasm. Today, today is Tuesday. What is today? The 26th? No, 25th. 25th. Like, uh, would have been my grandmother's 100th birthday today. Which I saw. That's where, actually, yep. we, we should start. I saw that it would have been her 100th birthday today. And, yep. well, look at that. The 19th Amendment, the right to vote. Yes. Uh, same year. Same year, almost uh, to the, uh, the time, to the date of when she was born. Think about that. Yeah, crazy. That is crazy. Well, rest in peace to your grandmother. What yep. was your, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite memory about your grandmother or your favorite thing about your grandmother? Uh, she just... Uh, absolutely loved me unconditionally and you know i had a crazy childhood and she was somebody that was just always always there for me she took a bus to phoenix to watch me graduate high school wow she would not not fly but she said sean's graduating which is a miracle mm-hmm. i'm going to phoenix <laughs> <laughs> so great well, lady happy birthday to your grandmother yep. what was your name that was a very common name theophila Theophila. Yeah, it means hand of God. Wow. I, yeah. I mean, I, she sounds like she might have been a Greek priestess or goddess. You'd think sort. so. She was 100% German. She's buried right at 46th in Chicago. So I popped over there and did a little meditation for grandma. It was all good. Wow. Very good. Well, yeah. uh, moving on to something decidedly less delightful would be the <laughs> highlights from um, from last night's RNC. Ugh. Um it was, uh, it was, um, it was, um, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, not, that, not that the Democratic National Convention last ne- week was any great shakes. It's a very different no. world we live in in 2020, right? And so it, um, it's all very sterile and it's weird to see these rousing, you know, crowd frothing speeches in front of giant empty rooms. Uh, but, you know, then I remember over the weekend, Trump was interviewed and he's like, well, I think we're going to, you know, as opposed to the negativity that the Democrats brought, we're going to see something positive, something unifying. And what I heard was a lot of fear mongering oh, and, yeah. and screeching <laughs> yes. about how the liberals are going to be coming. They're going to they're going to put terrorist cells into your neighborhood. They are going to all they're doing is belittling and mocking and and damaging the good teachers and the children that are out there. I mean, the, the liberals sound like they're some pretty nasty folks if you go by just last night's sampling. It's weird because most of my liberal friends are way too lazy to start terror cells. Yeah. <laughs> or, or think like, now how am I going to get a terror cell into this nice Republican neighborhood? Right? Man. Oh, I just... it sounds like so much work. <laughs> Let's see what's on Netflix. That's what liberals like to do. They <laughs> exactly. like to watch Netflix. So, you know, it was, I, I, but I had to watch it. I was like, man, now they're probably going to bring some like serious death, tar, death star type stuff to the situation. Oh, right? yeah. Like big production packages and foreboding music. Yep. And this is what the future. And while they tried to say that, it just, it fell flat and seemed, by 2020 standards, it seemed very square. I guess I'm disappointed that with all the power that the Republican uh, Party wields, they couldn't bring, and, and with Donald Trump's television vision background that they couldn't bring to bear greater production resources like the packages weren't flashier or more ominous or i'm serious the production value sucked and if that, that's my great complaint that would have been great oh my god as trump approaches the podium <laughs> exactly <laughs> how about donnie trump jr what a weasel i just i felt like he was like an evangelical preacher yeah and it was so wait wait fucking, now what yeah. kind of evangelical preacher oh. the kind that has a three way thing going <laughs> with the pool boy yes yeah yeah that kind that was Jerry Falwell Jr. I right? know yeah yes. okay okay yes. but you know you're right he he had sort of a greasy exterior to him also his eyes were so wet and bloodshot I know he was terrifying and his wife. The one that was screeching at the end? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I'm, what's her name? Gilfoyle? I, I can't... <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, her last name, I think, is, is something oh, okay. like Gilfoyle. I was like, is she, she, she a she, hobbit or is she... No, a- no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no. If anything, she was an evil witch. Anyway, the point is, none of these. You know, and it. Nobody could be undecided at this point, right? Like, I mean, there, there's not like a gray area. Like, well, you know, I'm still trying to decide which way I'm going to vote. Hmm. That's why I'm watching both of these conventions because I need to make sure my vote's going to the right place. I think people decided back in 2016 which day they were, which way they were going to vote in this yeah. coming election. So. Yep. In any event, and I hate to start off with, uh, well, we did start off with some good news. Happy birthday to your grandmother. The RNC, I really thought to myself, I was going to try to watch a little bit every night. I got my stomach full last night, and I didn't watch any of the DNC either. I just watched the last night of it last week, so... I feel like I've got a fairly decent understanding of where both parties lie after checking in for about 45 minutes to each one. Finally, the news came out on Sunday that a young singer-songwriter, Justin Towns Earl, dead at the age of 38, which is just, it's way, way, way too young, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Now, no cause of death has been revealed as of yet. Um, They, you know, but at 38, you have to think drugs, alcohol, suicide, well, I know he had some addiction issues, and yeah. and obviously that's runs in the family uh, with the, what his father dealt with. But you're just like, God, yeah, really? Do we have to? Does he have to have the same disease as his father had? And it, it's just heartbreaking to me. It is heartbreaking. He, I mean, because he burst onto the scene relatively young. You know, in oh, his yeah. mid twenties, he came out as sort of a fully. It'd be one thing, you know, like Steve Earle, the legendary American singer songwriter. Oh, yeah. Steve Earle is your dad, so you would get a pass if your stuff was just okay. But it turned out he was a great songwriter from the jump, from the get go, and people loved his music. And he cranked out a bunch of albums and really, really talented guy. And by all accounts, all the things I've seen on social media, all the reviews I've read, the interviews that I've seen in the past, just kind and professional and decent. And when you talk about that disease that his father had, you know, addiction, it's a beast, man. And unfortunately, there are genetic predispositions. If you're in the line, it absolutely affects it. So again, we don't know that for a fact. No. Dead at the age of 38, all signs seem to point in that sad, sad direction. So we just want to say rest in peace to Justin Towns Earl. And we're going to go back to his 2008 full-length debut called The Good Life. This is a song called Lone Pine Hill on The Brian Oak Show. I swear I see her in my dreams sometimes Held up in the middle of the night Shaking like a pistol in a young man's hand There in the pale moonlight Standing up atop of that lonely hill Spared by the company mine It's my blue-eyed baby with a best dress on In the shadow of a lonely pine I'll be back before the war when the company came These hills grew wild and free Me and baby we'd hide in the hollers low Away from the cruel sun's heat But then they knocked down the timber and burned off the brush to get to the riches below and when they pulled out they left a cold black ground and one pine standing alone so take me home Carry me all through the night 
Take me through your hills and over your rivers Away from this awful fight Cause I've never known a man that's ever owned another And ain't never owned nothing of my own So after four long years I just can't tell you what the hell I've been fighting for So take me home P. J. T. E. Justin Towns Earl from 2008. That one's called Lone Pine Hill here on the Brian Oak Show, dead at the age of 38. Details as they develop. Thanks for tuning in to the Brian Oak Show, which is made possible by Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They were there at the beginning. Yes, a lot of other people have jumped on board trying to steal their excellent idea. Fooey. Fie on them is what I <laughs> what I say to all these these Johnny Come Latelys these ne'er do wells. All right, fie on them. Smart Start and and not only uh, are the guys behind Smart Start a number one, they are top notch with us. They've been on board with the Brian Oak Show since well long before episode eighty five. In fact, they were on board before episode one. Is that why you should go use them? Absolutely not. Although, if you told them that that was why you were stopping by or went to smartstartmn.com slash Brian Oak Show. We wouldn't mind that, would we, Sean? It really helps them measure the advertising. And so they're fantastic guys. Like you said, they were the ones that were fighting for this, uh, you know, and and made it happen and helped push the legislation through to be able to uh, make it legal. So just go to smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oak Show. Make no mistake, if you get yourself a Dewey or a DUI, DWI, whatever you want to call it, it will suck. It will suck a great deal. So your best course of action is to never get one in the first place. Your second best course of action, should you get one, is to get back in your vehicle and back to building your life for where it's supposed to be as soon as possible. And our friends at Smart Start MN can absolutely help you with that that website one more time sean smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show and now sean let's go ahead and bring in today's featured guest who is a minneapolis stalwart well minnesota stalwart for sure i guess i haven't done enough homework to know exactly where she calls home these days but i'm imagining it's not too far away since she was willing to come to the smart start mn studio author professor musician I don't, I don't even know where to start with Lori Lindine, so I'm just going to start by saying hello. Hi, Lori. How are Hi, you? Hi, Brian. How are you? It's uh, nice to see you. Good to see you as well. Um, how is... I, I, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I'm not really sure where to even begin. Just so jump in. Let's go. I'm going to. <laughs> your thoughts on COVID so far. And don't hold back. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. It just fucking sucks. Uh-huh. Missed my son's college graduation. No. Yes. Uh. That, I mean, it's not, I think, I feel worse for the high school kids. My uh, mm. my, my niece, Molly, uh, she graduated this year and got one of those nice little drive up, grab your diploma, drive away kind mm-hmm. of situations, oh. quick photo op, and, you know, missed out on the parties and the celebrations and I everything know. else. And what a weird, weird year to have some other sort of milestone going on. Right. And I was over, I was so invested in it because it took me 10 years to graduate from college and he did it in four. And I was just oh. like, wow. <laughs> That's rare. So no, I know. It, it, well, it took, it's it took expensive you, now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very it expensive. So it took you 10 years. Did you come away with like a double doctorate or what oh, happened there? Oh, hell no. Okay. Hell no. <laughs> I started in Madison and uh, that's my hometown mm-hmm. and um, found The Rock and transferred up here and started a band. Okay. Well, and we're going to talk about that as well. So COVID sucks and I know it impacts your, your modern day life as well. My wife is a teacher and so right now... As though distance learning wasn't difficult at the end of last year, you think, all right, well, they've got the whole summer to figure this system out, and it's still a mad scramble. The technology's not in place. It's not good for parents at home. It's terrible for teachers. Her district is talking about doing this hybrid thing where she still has to be in five days a week. I have to be in two days a week. And to me, mixing up the two doesn't make any sense. I know distance learning sucks out loud, Mm -hmm. but does it suck more? My my. My wife teaches middle schoolers, getting them to all sit down and keep their fingers out of the nose and and pay attention, (laughs) let alone keep on masks, maintain social distancing, and obey best practices. Same thing in the fall. I teach college freshmen, which Mm -hmm. is worse than kindergarten. (laughs) Fingers out of the noses, same thing. just fluids everywhere. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Yes. So let's go back to the part, as much as I'd love to travel down that path a little bit more, (laughs) as pertains to college freshmen, because I, I too was once a college freshman and it brought back some hideous memories um let's talk about the part where you said you were going to madison 
and you came up here and started the band. If you don't mind, I'd like to go back just a little bit before that. Where are you from, Lori? I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, well, that would make sense then. So born and raised, that kind of situation? Yep. Well, not born and raised, but moved there in like first grade. Okay. All right. So from essentially Madison is home. Yes. All right. Very good. And then you decide that you're done with school because music seems awesome and Mm -hmm. you decide to move to Minneapolis. Can I ask about when this is? 84, 85, I think. A pretty rich time in Minnesota's musical heritage. Um, Yeah, 84 is the year I always look back to for, I mean, just, I mean, it it had been great before that and it continues to be great today. Mm -hmm. But that year in particular, you know, Minneapolis was Seattle about a good seven, eight years before Seattle was Seattle. yeah. We all know that. Exactly. Well, not everybody does, Lori. You obviously do because you were also (laughs) part of that evolution. I stumbled into town, got hired to work at a a short order grill, and the person next to me was Mark Olson. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's how I started here. Well, and so you talked to Mark Olson. You're like, Mm. hey, you're in a band. Um, Could I be in a band? And (laughs) was it it that simple? And then Zuzu's Pedals is born? (laughs) Well, you know, Olson. It's like, well, Lori, you got a little educating to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, playing his um, Laurel Canyon wisdom, sharing his wisdom with me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, Mark Olson of the Jayhawks, obviously. So, I mean, that's but that's a pretty fortuitous early on meeting and making a friend like that early on. So then how does it happen? Prior to this, had you played any music? Um, I started playing in Madison a little bit, you know, just in the basement, which everybody had a band basement. And um, then I got very sick in Madison and was diagnosed with MS. Mm -hmm. And I was laid up for six months and I just like had the, I just like, okay, this might screw me up forever. I'm going now. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going. I'm going for it. Got my girlfriends from Chicago to move up here and we just started. Wow. I mean, nothing motivates you like realizing that you may not have a chance somewhere down the road. Now, here we are. I don't want to skip all the good parts of the story. No, no, no. But since you brought up your MS and you're living with MS, um, I have a couple of friends who live with MS. Mm -hmm. And I know that there have been great advances, but that MS can be, I, I, I feel like, Calling it very debilitating is damning it with faint praise. I mean, MS can absolutely control or ruin your life, but you have found a way, you found an equilibrium? I have been very, very lucky. I had a very catastrophic thing happen when I was 23, and um, I lost, like, feeling on the entire left side of my body. Got about 92, 93% better, and I've been fine since. Okay, well, so. and I, I, I wish you hadn't said that out loud, but fingers crossed and congratulations. Oh, yeah. No, no, and... no, no. I think it may be because I was so young, my body figured something out or okay. who knows. Hmm. You know, they don't really know about neurology. Yeah. How exactly. old were you? 23. Wow, 23, man. Well, so you move up here and you decide to put a band together and, I, you know... I, I'm going to be on, well, and much like today, I mean, there's no shortage of bands now. There wasn't in the 90s and certainly not in the 80s. How do you make a name for yourself? Like anything, like podcasting today, how do you cut through the background noise and have people go, oh, hey. Right. Well, we had friends who were all in bands that we knew before we started a band. So, and they were in bands that were popular here. So that helped. Um, Colleen was a bartender at the 400. So that's where we got our first gigs. Right. So that's... that's, Not a bad start. That's how we slipped in. (laughs) Yeah, and we suck. (laughs) We suck for about two, three years. Everyone here had like cycled through us like, "Mm mm-mm. And when we got... We went on tour and we got okay. We got better and better. And so Minneapolis just had... We were written off right away. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, now... So for a band for a band that sucks and those are your words not mine but while you're while you're still in the suck phase um like so you get the people here and they're like oh let's um you know hey we're going to have Zuzu's pedals open up we're going to have you know this mm-hmm. band open up and then you open up for a band and then we're suddenly those bands not calling back to have you open up or uh our better friends we all gave us a shot and then we just sort of took off on our own right but yes, everybody gave us a shot. Some of the most embarrassing things happened at really big shows, like opening for Soul Asylum at um, Caboose, and I'm do- we're doing sound check, and it's probably our third show, and we started playing out six months after we started playing, and I go into the sound guy, and I'm like, my my, my amp doesn't work. 
oh, God, you know, and you don't want to be that person because I've been going to Newt Capay for the last six months and being treated like an idiot. Right. And he walks up and turns a standby off on my amp. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, there are some of us whose relationship with technology, despite being around it for 30 years, has never gotten better. That's, no, you know, that's I know. me in a nutshell. Cycling back to COVID, I'm <laughs> taking two classes to learn how to be a better online teacher and I hate online learning. Uh huh. Yeah. I look at my phone. I get up and walk around, and I'm an old lady. How is uh. how's an eighteen year old going to handle this? And yet, no. Well, that's the problem. I think that we're going to the the learning curve and the understanding curve between the combination of technology and exactly what we're going to see happen to COVID. Because I think we've already seen in the colleges that have opened up already, boom, shut down for two yeah. weeks. 159 cases here. You know, this, I mean, it, it it's too soon. And, and trust me, I get it. I, I don't even have that much on the books. And it sucks sitting at home all day. I hate it. I bet, like your wife, I just want a few weeks of eyes on to establish us as a group before, mm-hmm. before we have to go back. To- I think that's, a, well, it's a good idea. And also, like... I don't just I don't know. I mean, because it's still going to end up even if you split up the student body, all the kids are still going to be back in school at one point or another. So people in a teaching position are going to be exposed to everybody. Right. And again, I'm not necessarily worried about, you know, college freshmen or middle uh, middle school age kids, but they are going to go see families. And then, I mean, that's the way these things spread. I think we've all been paying attention for the last right. six months and it just um, all these colleges opening up and then shutting down again immediately. Yeah. I think we're going to see the same thing in oh, the school situation. They, well, they can't stay away from each other. Mm. They just can't. Oh, good times. Good times. Before we get too far away from the legacy of Zuzu's Petals, how long <laughs> How long did Zuzu's Petals last? Uh, between eight to ten years, I think. Okay. Yeah. And was it always fun or was it never fun? It was so fun until the end. Yeah. And then it was time for it to be over. Yeah. And you tell the story in some depth. Now, I when I first got the book, I read it cover to cover, but I haven't read it in a really long time. So I feel like I'm forgetting if I'd had more time before we set this up, I would have gone back to read it because I feel like I'm missing some of the more delightful, juicy tidbits that I'd really like to drag back out into the light. When did you uh, decide to write Pedal Pusher? Um, when I became a mom and I was um, hanging out in coffee shops with other moms and Everyone was talking about what they did before they were a mom. Like, I was a lawyer. I was a buyer for Target. And they're like, what'd you do? And I was like, oh, I was in a band. <laughs> <laughs> I was the cool mom. Thank you very and, much. And, they, and they're like, oh, I wish I would have done something like that. And I was just like, not necessarily. <laughs> and I'd been trying to be a writer at that point. I'd already quit the band. Mm-hmm. And um wanted to switch to writing because our second record was a disaster but it was so heavy on lyrics that i i wanted to write longer longer form why was the second record a disaster oh we we went to the studio too soon yeah we're ready yet it's a fine demo (laughs) okay i see (laughs) but not necessarily what you'd release as a finished product no our first record was so good that when i i just recently listened to them back to back when i was on the treadmill or something to do mm-hmm. and it's like oh man it just wasn't there yet no so you're like you're like one of those cool kids who's like yeah i like zuzu's pedals but i really only like the early stuff right <laughs> there was no chance to we didn't get to sell out or anything yeah no never even got the chance to sell out but the book is very good and you get a you know front row seat for what it's like to be in a band that started out sucking and then got some good critical acclaim i mean you guys had uh, some good years in there for we, sure we did we did absolutely and so back in the 80s too is when you know having read so many books about that era um you know and i mean i lived it but i wasn't on the road like so many people were like you mm-hmm. were you know that diy circuit that got set up maybe a little bit earlier in the 80s mm-hmm. and there was wasn't really like a, a set touring circuit like there is now. It was a lot of word of mouth and a lot of sleeping on people's floors. Was that your experience yeah, early on? Yeah, the party house in every town next to people throwing up. Mm-hmm. Lots of phone booths, lots of getting lost. <laughs> But I mean, there. I mean, and I know glorious. A lot, of it, a lot of it's a pain in the ass and doesn't sound maybe very glamorous. But uh, there, it also had to be like just pure joy at some points too. I wish every young person got to feel as free as we felt. That's mm-hmm. why I feel bad when I'm teaching these college kids. They're like, "Wait, what did your parents say after you got your degree in the wide open field of English literature? <laughs> um, <laughs> that you decided to go into a ba- to be a, in a band?" I said, "Well, it wasn't really up to them." You just did your thing. And, yeah. And they're like, oh, I 
would never do that. I was like, you should do that. You should do that. You should try stuff. How old is your child? 22. Okay, I was, well, then you're already there. Because I was going to say, are you going to be as open as like what you're saying? Like, oh, he's in a band. Oh, <laughs> no. So you didn't push him to do something practical? I pushed him to get out of town. <laughs> oh, that's really? good. Go, find yourself. Yep. Go have an adventure. He's an only. I, w- I just wanted him to figure it out, not here. I, yeah, I got a 21-year-old only who I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, you can do anything you want, but just do something. Like, go and make mm-hmm. terrible mistakes and mm-hmm. sleep on the floor next to somebody who's heaving their guts out. But, <laughs> right? also, but also, like, I mean, like, you know, meet new people. Do- yeah. Open your eyes to the possibilities. I couldn't agree more. All right, before we go any further, uh, we do have to get some music in here. Let's talk a little bit about, there's a local band, High on Stress. And yep. I don't know Nick Leet that well, but mm-hmm. uh, we've been friends on social media for years and years and years. And he just mailed me a copy of the brand new record that dropped on Friday, and I just got it yesterday. So cool. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but you clearly have. I sing back up on this song. Well, come on! <laughs> so I mean, so so high on stress is a, is a Minneapolis band. Um, how do you? When, when did you cross paths? When did he did, just? Um, I don't, you know, message on Facebook or yeah. something, and I drove out to where he lives, and he has a very fine studio in his basement. Nice. And, we spent a couple hours down there. Well, look at that. I had no idea, and now I'm glad because I probably would have blown right past it. Not that you don't have distinct vocal stylings. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's hear some new Minnesota music. Just came out this past Friday. Great record, everyone. All right, the band is high on stress. This song is called Wish This Moment Gone. It's the Brian Oak Show. Minnesota band High on Stress with none other than today's guest, Lori Lindeen, singing backup song, our vocals right there, Wish This Moment Gone. New Minnesota music here on the Brian Oak Show. And we'll return to talking to Lori in one second. Well, not in one second, in about 120 seconds, because we need to mention our other two sponsors. One, Sean Bernard. Yes, that Sean right there is, in addition to the fine work he does here on the Brian Oak Show, uh, he's also a realtor for Edina Realty, the 50th and France location. And we're getting close to the end of summer where I know that 
historically, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a realtor like yourself. But I do know that historically, business goes up and down throughout the course of the year, and we're heading into a slower time of the year. Even if it weren't global pandemic and social unrest, it would be a quieter time that we're heading into, right? It's supposed to be, but it's just really, really messed up this year, just like everything else. Usually the busiest season is around May, and that's pushed back, and August has been really, really busy. So it's really odd. I mean, the, you know, working in radio for 25 years, we really did have seasons. Oh, very uh, much. You know, there were times where it was, we, we always knew January was going to be slow. July was going to be slow. Uh, with real estate, it, it seems like people have spent way too much time in their homes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Either they're fixing it up and they want to stay or they just want to get the hell out and go live someplace else. So, Literally anywhere else. Yeah, anywhere else. And so, you know, people have time to think about those sorts of things. So I showed uh, uh, some friends uh, a home in Mendota Heights last night, and, and uh, they're thinking about selling their place in Highland Park. Um, I love Highland Park. Yeah? I want their their house that they're... <laughs> I just can't afford it. You can't, you can't keep all the houses for yourself, I Sean. can't. You have to Damn sell it. some of them. Damn it. But yeah, yeah, give me a call at 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy. 612-859-2594 if you're looking to buy or sell. All right. Very uh, when I should say when oh. the warming house opens back up, I'll still do my donation uh, to them. If you buy or sell, you also get a one-year membership for two to the warming house. If you want to get out and see some more Minnesota music. Exactly. Or, you know, whoever happens to be coming through on that particular day. Uh, also, we want to thank Busters on 28th. They're located on 28th and 42nd in southeast Minneapolis. Just literally a stone's throw away from Lake Hiawatha, although they frown on you throwing rocks. You might hit someone playing basketball, and they do have that nice little kiddie pool right there, so don't do that. <laughs> um, but it's uh, they're a great location. Did you see the post of theirs that I shared yesterday? I did uh, not. They, they make their own cheese curds there that are Ooh. every bit as good. And I know that there are going to be people who are like, blasphemy, sacrilege. They're every bit as good, if not just a little better, oh, than the State Fair, than state fair oh Cheese Curds. Oh, my God. I know, I know yeah. that sounds like I'm going too far because they're an advertiser for the podcast. However, try me. Okay, I'll tell you what. You go eat them, and if they're not as good as State Fair Cheese Curds, Sean will refund the price of your bill. I don't know that I agreed to that at all. We, my wife and I had lunch there the other day. We went to uh, did a little hiking down by Hidden Falls, which mm-hmm. is just a trickle, uh, like right now. I had never been to Hidden Falls in my entire life, which is ridiculous. I'm sorry, what? You know where Hidden Falls is? I live, you were, we're talking on Minnehaha, I right? know, but I had never been there. I live, I've been I to Minnehaha right Falls a million times, but my mom's like, I'm sure you've been there. I said, no, mom. Really? That was her heroin days. There's no way. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I was there. Wow. Well, it was. Okay, it was. Right, She'll admit fine. it. I'll that, just, that, said, just said, hey. We've had both our moms here on the yeah. show before. and um, She's sober. She's been sober for no, years. No, I get it. I get it. That's all cool. good. Hey, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> Let's go see the falls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway. So, uh, anyway, I think we were talking about Buster's on 28th. Yeah, not, we went there only, afterwards. Not only do they have cheese curds, <laughs> they have really good food there. They're a continuous sponsor of the Brian Oak Show, even during these unprecedented times. Um, <laughs> and so we'd like you to check them out. Take a look at their menu. You can get food ordered. You can stop by and pick it up. You can go there now. They've got socially distanced setups there as well. So uh, uh, Buster'sOn28th.com is where you get the details. Absolutely. You can order online. Uh, you can order in advance. You can go there and eat. We dined outside uh, after our... Hidden Falls trickle trip. It was great. Very good. Uh, our <laughs> guest is Lori Lindine. So we talked about the Zuzu's Pedals era and the book Pedal Pusher. Uh, you teased me without really too much information that, because I want to talk more about your writing and your teaching, but there's also some other interesting opportunities here. Uh, you are going to be promoting an as of yet unsold new book. What's the new book about? The new book is called It's a Wonder We All Survived, Tales from an Unsupervised Childhood. Really? And it's about growing up unsupervised and how I think that turned me into sort of a helicopter-ish parent. Oh, because you know what they could be up to. Yeah. I need to read this book. Because I know... I was like, oh, my God, I am I am being one of those moms. Is it because I only have one? It's like, no, it's because of all the terrible shit we used to do. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And the older brothers and sisters especially, that was like the most fascinating world I'd ever watched in my life. Uh-huh. Wow, you know, so you brought up Mark Olson, and you also mentioned Soul Asylum, both of whom contribute to Sweet Relief, that uh, that benefit CD that came out to benefit Victoria Williams back in the day, and the song Soul Asylum covers on there, Victoria Summer Williams, of drugs. Summer of Drugs, yep. that kind of sounds like what you're talking about right there. Right. Yeah. Lots of lots of stuff. Yeah, because oh. back before we had water and, car- and helmets for bikes and 
Okay. Sunscreen. <laughs> I thought you meant like running water. No, no. Like, <laughs> water to drink. Yeah. Just uh, helmets. I, mean, I remember like before phones and all that, you know, it would be Saturday morning and the sun would just be coming up. My buddy Tony would come over, we'd get on our 10 speeds and mom would be like, be home before the sun goes down. Yep. And we were gone all damn day. And for the most part, it was just good, clean, wholesome, northern suburbs fun, but not right. always. Yeah, no, not, always. not always. So you're working on getting that book out there right now. Yep. Uh, and then also possibly a TV pilot treatment for your book pedal pusher telling the story of Zuzu's pedals? Well, it's a TV pilot and treatment. Um, two years ago for Sundance, a producer um, brought me out there to, to write. And I got a pilot and a treatment written. Now we need a few more um, episodes. But it's part of it is pedal pusher and part of it is a fictionalized mom and daughter relationship. And so whenever the daughter asks her to do something risky or teenage, she she flashes back to her, her sordid past. It sounds like maybe you've got plenty of personal experience to draw on here. <laughs> A little. Autobiographical. <laughs> Let's talk about your writing, because you talked about how, for the second album, the lyrics felt there, but the rest of it, it just it wasn't there yet. But your love of writing was already burgeoning. At what point did you realize, not just for a rock and roll band, not just for songs, but that you had... Because writing is not everyone's bag. Like, I love to talk. I could do it all damn day. In fact, often do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to sitting down and articulating my thoughts and trying to find the right way to get what I'm trying... I can't seem to do it. Like, you have to... Much like people who go into math, if you if you get into writing, you have to love writing, right? right? I mean, you right. do. And so, when did you fall in love with writing, or when's the first time was, you remember that you love it? I was I was a huge reader as a girl, and um, I had a million pen pals starting in about fourth grade, and then hmm. went all the way through college. And and how did you get pen pals in fourth grade? Did like you just family like, vacations? Okay, like whoever like you, you meet somebody, yeah, whoever you swam with, or yeah. Camp Weird, with, I had a couple or, pen pals and I met them both in a swimming pool right. on family vacation. <laughs> I know, that's where you Wild. meet them. All right, okay. <laughs> and I mean, they lasted through college and the letters got longer and more emotional and more intense. And then in music, I started picking up more pen pals and I just always wrote all day, every day on tour and, and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do when you're a writer is write all day. Uh-huh. I'm already doing it. So then I applied to grad school at the U and went through their MFA program in creative writing and mm. learned how to teach also. So that was a really good move. Well, and what you, you're doing now, I have two quick questions before we continue along that path. Did you ever see any of the pen pals again? Like not in the rock and roll era, but like, you know, from when you're in fourth grade, did you ever happen to cross paths with anybody again? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Then the other question is for someone who likes to write, who loves putting pen to paper, who likes to, I mean, you know, you don't, you don't get to hit delete or be like, oh, this paragraph should be up there. You know, you kind of just have to live with. Well, you're never done. Even when I do readings of things I've written, I'm still editing it. Well, and so and but changing it. Then, yeah. then along comes the internet and things like uh, electronic mail. That's what email is short oh, for. Oh, that's Sean. what it is. Oh, exactly. Sure. Uh, electronic mail, word processing, all that. Know. Where uh, did that did that change your relationship with writing, or did it diminish your love of writing at all? To suddenly be able to well, manipulate or now have to use a keyboard instead of a pen. I'm definitely in the luddite category mm-hmm. and um, lived with one for 20 years, so we didn't have a lot of technology at all. Right. So, I mean, I had a a computer to write on and get emails from. And I, that started in grad school in like 2000. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Are you, uh, have you been wowed by any students work? I mean, oh, is that, yeah. is, is that oh, yeah. what's that like as a teacher? It's really great. I've had, um, students become English majors. I've mm. had students move to Brooklyn and become great writers. I've, uh, yeah, I That's love it. That's gotta be phenomenal. Well, you can, you can just smell it a mile away because mm-hmm. just a natural voice is something you can't learn. You know? And so, I mean, well, it's kind of like, I suppose, just about any sort of creative endeavor. You can practice and you can get better at it and you can add to your skill set, but there are some people who just have it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the more, well, the more you practice, the luckier you get. Well, there's that. Exactly. Um, so you now teach writing, but you also, uh, you said you in the notes you wrote me that you're leading memoir writing workshops on Madeline Island in the summer. That sounds like about the sweetest gig ever. It is the <laughs> sweetest gig ever. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. I, I've been to Madeline Island. Yeah. And it's sort of, I mean, like, is the burnt yeah. out bar still up there? Oh, yeah. Is no, it really? I, and my, my partner that I teach with is Catherine Lamfer. 
You're kidding? <laughs> no. Of, of NPR fame? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We do it. We do memoir writing boot camp together up at the Madeline Island School of oh Arts. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I've never met her before. Will you tell her that she was my single favorite in terms of the tenor of her voice, the, oh, the yeah. actual oh, timbre of goodness. her voice? Yeah. I've never enjoyed a female broadcaster's voice more in my entire life than Catherine Lamfer. I will tell her. Oh, my goodness. That's wild to me. I, <laughs> I love learning facts like this. Yes. So you're up there. Is that a summer long thing? or No, it's it's a week here, a week there. Mm-hmm. And then I, they just added um, doing things at other places in the winter because you can't really go to Madeline Island in the winter. You can if you like snowshoeing. Right. <laughs> and um, so last winter they brought me to the Tonk Verde ranch and i taught there in tucson for a week wow which was really nice it's like the grandview people but it's a dude ranch oh Mm. (laughs) wow okay (laughs) so i mean so who who takes like who says i'm going to take a writing course but i'm going to take this sweet one over up at madeline island i mean like is it is it students i mean is it is it older people is it who, who does it well, a lot of white people, I gotta say. Well, okay, I work at a record shop, and you yeah. know who buys records? Yeah. White dudes. Right. White dudes love records. Well, everybody, everyone's been told, you should write a mem- You should yeah. write your memoirs. You're really a great writer. Yeah. You should write. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. So, get a lot of that. Got some people very serious about the craft. Yeah. It's, it's all over the place. It's fun. That's cool. So when you talk about all the writing you're teaching now, and I know that you like, um, you also do some work with college entrance. Is that true? Yeah, that's my side hustle in the summer. Okay, college entrance essay. Well, and I mean, but whisperer. That, the, the, those <laughs> so, but college entrance exams and essays. That's become only more important, right? To get into school. Well, or some not? schools just go by numbers. Really? For some schools, especially liberal liberal arts, if you're on the edge, you write a good essay. It's going to help, but. These kids are under so much pressure, and my whole thing is, no, you don't write a five-paragraph essay like you were taught in English class. An essay is a journey, and they just want to hear a kid in their natural voice experiencing the world. And once I explain that, they, they really relax, and they really make some nice stories. It's a bizarre time. My son's going into his senior year, and he took seven weeks of ACT classes, and then a week before he was supposed to take his ACT this last spring, they pulled the plug on it, and now a lot of colleges are saying we're not even going to. I can't imagine worry what, about it. I thought that was a really hard time, junior and senior year yeah. of high school. Yeah, trying to manage that world. Absolutely, and so now that pressure is on I, for for him to write an really, essay, and he's like, "What? Like, <laughs> I'm not ready for this." I say gap year, everyone. Just, yeah, just gap year it. Yeah. That's what my daughter did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? And but, I'm in my inbox. Be, you're exactly. fired. Yeah, well, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, we'll edit this part out for you, Lori. No, you know what? I, but it, it, go, it kind of goes to what you say, too. Like when you're talking about your own kid, you know, get out of here. Go do something. Like take some time. And yeah, no, I tried to convince my daughter. I'm like, you take your best friend and go to Europe for six months. Right. Do it. And you know what? have misadventures and make some mistakes and have some days where you're cold or maybe a little hungry and you have to wire the folks for money. These are the things that kind of test what you're made of, but there also will be there, there are days you will never forget as long as you live. You just have to test yourself and, and just, it makes you braver and have bigger and better dreams. I'm just all for trying stuff. Just, you know, don't aim the marble. Yeah, exactly. So you you write your writing. You've turned into your livelihood, and sometimes that can not diminish. I don't know what the right word is, but sometimes it can take some of the sheen off of your love of a craft if it's something that you really love to do, and it's your work. How do you combat that? Or maybe you've never ever faced that. I've had um, some pretty serious writer's block after Pedal Pusher came out mm-hmm. because it came out when Johnny was kindergarten i think and i didn't even think about it but now that he's a young adult and he can read i'm a lot more careful about what i write (laughs) even though i'm sure he wouldn't even be interested it's like oh mom wrote it no (laughs) but i wrote an essay for the new york times about um driving him to college and he he did he didn't and they both signed up my ex-husband and johnny both signed off on it but um after it came out and it got some hubbub, he, he didn't like that. So oh, I, I really? bet you'll be surprised as he gets older that right. he will really want to read the right. things that you've written. Maybe. But, but at this age, it's very tough because he's, what, 22, you said? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I purposely wrote about falling in love with his father in my first book, just so it's there, so he knows. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. It's, I'd it's, love to have that it's saved written there down. Forever. Yeah. yeah. So you have so much writing that's well, not required in your life, but that you do in your life, whether it's writing this new book or possibly working on a treatment or for your your, your regular gig or your side hustle. Do you ever just purely write for nothing but joy and fun anymore? I have notebooks of rambling of ideas and, you know, you, I used to do it when I was a waitress at Al's Breakfast. I just have uh, pads and, and be stoned and just write stuff the whole time I was at work. So I still do that. And then it get, works its way into uh, the scaffolding of, of what might be other stories. I used to eat quite frequently at Al's Breakfast. Are you telling me that people that were off their rocker on drugs were preparing that food? <laughs> Well, not anymore, of course. <laughs> not that it mattered. <laughs> there was an era. Well, I'm just going to say, because if that's what it takes, we should start distributing weed to all of the breakfast places around town. By the way, rest in peace, Currens. I'm so sad that you're oh, gone. Oh, I know. So sad. Dude, yeah. the, the number of times that I, I got there early enough to get that breakfast special where you get a giant heaping breakfast for all of like a dollar eighty nine or something. Right. Oh, my God. So, anyway, I'm, I'm totally getting myself sidetracked here. But we should get all breakfast plate because Al's is one of my favorite places to eat. Now, if you're someone who is antsy, uh, it's not it's uh-uh. not the place for you. No. Because there's someone literally standing behind you rustling the morning newspaper <laughs> waiting to sit down and eat. Yeah. So, it's not the most relaxed place in the world. But it was an amazing place to eat there. So, you work there. You write. When you talk about writing down these little scribbles and, and taking a little time here and there, it, it reminds me I have a friend who's an illustrator. And he keeps sketchbooks. And, you know, everything he sits down to write is not going to be his next masterpiece, but he's working on this or he's working on that. Or every once in a while, he draws a hand that he loves and incorporates it onto another body that he's written somewhere else. Right. You you have to save everything because all of a sudden it makes sense why you were writing about that random thing. Like, why am I writing about detasseling corn? (laughs) Which is my first job. And it's like, oh, because I'm now sitting in a van with three people staring at cornfields for eight hours a day. So mm-hmm. perfect time to tell that story. So yeah. there, it, you just save everything. Hey, well, so, I mean, do you still have, like, I mean, just huge stacks of notes and paper and everything everywhere? I do. Do you ever go through them again to see if there was something in there that was sweet? Or, um, or are they going to be part of the Lori Lindeen archive someday that we're I, all going to go I see? I doubt that will ever happen, but I do pillage all of it. Yeah. Definitely. That's excellent. Well, it's yours. You wrote yeah. it in the first place. Yeah. I just, I have a tendency to keep certain things from my past and i'm like no i'm gonna want that someday i'm gonna i'm gonna want those 200 level chemistry course notes right from right. college someday that's gonna be important like after the apocalypse huh. i'm gonna right. go back and i'm gonna <laughs> gonna i'm gonna make chemist. some compounds <laughs> yeah. exactly i'm gonna need that and I, you just wait <sighs> that's why there's never been a car in my two-car garage it is the brian oak show <laughs> Lori lindine is our guest and i want to hear another song and i'm so excited about this one because um you know i've got bands that i rave about and i'm he- a huge fan fan of that I find that we're 85 episodes into this show and I don't play them very often and this is one of them now this band was the very first band I ever saw in the First Avenue main room so when I saw you pick this <clears throat> I was very excited uh, I've seen them now I think eight times over the years and now that everyone's sobered up and they've got Billy Zoom back in the fold and oh, he's recovered God. nicely from his cancer I gotta say, and it's gonna sound weird because there was a, a hellish energy that came off that band oh, yeah. in the eighties that was unlike <laughs> anything else I'd ever seen. But you know, Exine was always a mess and mm-hmm. she didn't sound great when she was a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a force of nature. Now that they're older and sobered up, I don't think John Doe's voice has ever sounded better. I know Exine's oh. has never sounded better. They they played these songs for forty plus years and they're really, really good. They're one of my all time favorite they bands. They are my favorite band. I love that. So when did you when did you first hear about them? How did you I fall in love first with the band saw X. them in 1980 at a club called Merlin's in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I saw them, the replacements were opening for them like the next year. And mm. I've seen them probably, I don't know, 500 times. Wow. Maybe I might be one of those. Yeah. yeah okay, which is great. I just. So you traveled around to see them. Or, or I, while I was traveling, they seemed to be there. Oh, that's or, great. That's great. Well, or just, whenever they're in town or yeah. whatever iteration, whether it's the knitters or whatever. I just mm. finished our reading uh, Under the Big Black Sun, the first oh, edition of that. Is it I just, good? Oh, it's fantastic. Now, oh, good. It's, 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 it's a little piecemeal in that it's sort of the, what do they call it when different people from an era are. Jim Walsh put out that yeah, book. Yeah, it's, it's called a. Uh, 
thing. I can't remember what it's <laughs> yeah. like. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know exactly there, there, what you're talking about. We have three senior moments going on. <laughs> no, 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 there's a special name for it. It's, when it's called a... It's told from the perspective of the people who were there. So right. a lot of the different scenesters from the L.A. scene, say 78 to about 83, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different musicians from the time, and uh, they all kind of weigh in on what it was like and what the bands were like and what the scene was like. And John Doe, I've had a, a, an occasion to meet him a couple of times, and he's I just been... I saw you talking to him backstage at the... Um, at the... At the Blondie show? At the casino, yeah. Yes. So... Funny story about that. I'm going to make this as quick as possible. So uh, Jill and I are there. I'm still working at The Current at this point. And Jill and I are there to interview the band Garbage. They're doing a 20th anniversary tour Mm -hmm. of their debut album. And so all four members of Garbage are sitting down there with us. And we do this long sort of formal interview. And Shirley Manson is one of the kindest and funniest and most amazing people I've ever met in the industry ever. Loveliest. Six foot one Scottish pale elven skin, but also this laugh that like it lights up the whole room. Mm -hmm. There's nobody like her. And so at one point I told her how excited I was that X was going to be opening up or at Mm -hmm. least, you know, John Doe and Xene were going to be opening up Mm -hmm. because I've been this lifelong fan, but I've never, and she's like, well, have you met them before? I'm like, no, I've never met them. And you know what? They're going on really soon. I don't want to bug them. And so we're wrapping up our equipment. We're saying our goodbyes and she comes like sort of, prancing around the corner like giggling like a, a like a very tall sprite and mm. she's like brian come with me and her unbelievable scottish voice and uh i come around the corner and there are john and exine and so we do a quick picture and john's trying to get dressed right like i mean he's tucking like a white shirt into black pants and he's he's trying to get his kind of country suit on and exine goes turns and goes back around and i'm like can i get a picture with just john and so john's still trying to get dressed and he looks up at me he's a little bit shorter than i am not much he looks up he's like I feel like Frank Sinatra. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to put this suit on. And I lean down to him. I'm like, only with a better voice and way better songs. Way better. And then he looks up at me and leans in real close and conspiratorially whispers, plus, I never killed a guy. <laughs> wow. And my eyes went wild. And there's a great picture I have at home of that moment where my oh. eyes go wide. And I just, uh, you know, I already, I already was permanently in love with the band. So, yeah, you're right. This is, if you're going to have a favorite band, you'd be hard-pressed to do better than this. So we're going to hear a song off of their debut, Los Angeles, from 1980. What, um, maybe 79? I think it's 80. What, mm-hmm. um, why did you pick this one? Because the whole world is a mess. The world's a mess. It's in my kiss. This is the band X on The Brian Oak Show.
And that's the band X right there. The world's a mess. It's in my kiss. Lori chose that one because the world is a mess. COVID, mm-hmm. it's, and it's going to get messier again. This back to school thing. And I'm sorry because, I, I mean, your day gig requires now that you're going to be seeing students, correct? Twice a week. Twice a week, which I feel like is two times a week too many. I, and again, I'm not one of those people like you and I are sitting in a studio together right now. All three of us are sitting here. You know, we're appropriately distanced, but there are people who do, will not leave their home. I'm not one of those people. I'm not completely freaking out. Yeah, I wash my hands more than I used to considerably. Um, and, you know, I do wear a mask. It's very weird just walking into places and everyone has a mask on. We live in some sort of dystopian future. But I'm also... I. I feel like putting that many people back together, even if you're only seeing people occasionally or cutting student bodies in half, I just, I feel like it's too soon and I, I'm with everybody. I think this sucks. I agree. I, I'm pretty sure it'll get shut down again. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it will, Yep. but I'd like to at least go in and get it started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I figure out what's going to happen next. Cause I know that for parents, who have school kids at home, it sucks. And for teachers who have to teach kids, whether in person or remotely, it's also very challenging and uphill and nothing's ever, it hasn't been figured out yet. So I guess we're just going to have to uh, bite down and endure whatever COVID has for us through the rest of this year. And um, we can do hard things, Brian. What's that? We can do hard things. I know we can. I just, I don't know. It seems like we're making it harder on ourselves. And look at that. We're almost out of time and we didn't even get to bring up politics, Lori. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of doing hard things, everybody fucking get out and vote and wear your mask. Yes. You have to. Mask and vote. Mask and vote. For those of you who were uh, leaning left uh, or are leaning left, uh, which again, the whole thing, the notion of anybody being undecided at this point is is fiction. There is no way you can't know which way you lean but for those of you who are still bitter that there's not a viable third party option or that bernie did not get the nomination please don't screw this up no please don't fucking screw this up do not and for people on the right who are mad that someone even more diabolical like some sort of unnamed demon whose name is only pronounceable in in some dead language (laughs) is not also running don't split your vote over there vote for whatever you want to vote for but don't don't let this happen again don't is that fair it's 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 crucial, it's right? It's beyond fair. We it's, can do hard things. We can do hard things. Yeah. that's that. I'm going to write that on the wall somewhere here, and we're going to credit it to you because... Send away for your we ab- need you absentee a- ballot now. Yeah. Oh, just... Right now. Right this second. I already got my stuff in the mail, and so that's already mm-hmm. filled out and gone mm-hmm. back because... There, there are forces at work that do not want things to... It's scary. It's actually terribly frightening. It is. And here we are talking about politics. Hooray! We all here three we have kids that will be voting in this election, which yes. is tremendous. Yes. My daughter turned... Uh, my daughter turned 18 seven days after uh, the election, or seven days prior to the election last time, so she voted in the last one. She, uh, I browbeat her into voting for the nominee... Uh, but she didn't want to. She wanted to vote for a third-party candidate. I'm like, no, there's too much at stake here. You have to suck it up, you know? I mean, like, and even with Biden. like, Or Kanye. Yeah, well, (laughs) Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I know he's going to be on the ballot. If anybody out there, you're like the Joker. You're a sociopath. If you if you vote for Kanye in a year where so much is at stake, then you then you might actually be worse than the people on the other side of the this aisle. This is from no you. time for irony. No, no, it's not. No, we're way past the time of irony. Um, Lori, we have to wrap it up, okay, but it was really cool you, to talk Brian. to you. And if you get thank you so nice much, to meet you. nice to meet you. When your book is coming out, or when you suddenly are being whisked away by the famous producers and living the jet set lifestyle to promote your new. TV well, series. You know that happens for a minute, and then it. Nothing, yeah, I know. And then nothing happens. But just well, but let's go. Let us be but, at least. A, let us at least get a little <laughs> bit of a, a tan off of the the sunshine that you will be throwing <laughs> off when that happens, okay. and come back on the podcast and tell us about it. Would love to. All thank right, you. Beautiful. We're going to say goodbye to Lori. I want to thank once again Sean. Thank you, Sean. All You're of our Patreon Sean. members who make the <laughs> studio, the Smart Start MN studio, possible. Smart Start MN. I want to thank Buster's on twenty eighth. Um, and I think that's about it. Now, uh, coming up on episode eighty six, just confirmed yesterday that none other. Uh, uh, then Harmar Superstar is Woo! going to be joining us. I've known Sean on and off over a long period of time, and um, he's a madman, but he's also an intelligent guy. He's had his lumps, but he's also had some pretty fun things. And I remember meeting him for the first time when he was in Sean on Na. And although he still had guts when he got up on stage, 
compared to what he would blossom into, a relatively demure guy back then. And then it all started to happen. I remember seeing a tabloid photo of him making out with Kate Moss uh, in one, in one, like in some drunken nightclub situation where it was in one of those British tabloids. And then I saw him performing in his underwear on stage. And well, let's not go too far down that path just now, shall we? I just wanted to share one song here real quick by a New York band called Northern State. A lot of people tried to say, hey, they're the female Beastie Boys. And that was not quite no. the case, although they were all rappers. And here, going back quite a ways, actually, I think back to the 90s, maybe the early 2000s. I don't remember the exact date, but we are getting towards the end of summer. And this is a song where they teamed up Northern State with Harmar Superstar. It's called Summer Never Ends. It's episode 85 of The Brian Oak Show. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Northern State. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody, can you feel that summer beat? We're on the roof so we can feel the summer heat. Yo, you can jump no. right in or you can dip your feet. 3MC, SP, Spiro Sprout, and me are gonna bone the fuck out to the next party. And give your stereo a little sex to see. One more time. 3MC, SP, Spiro Sprout, and me are going back to the hot tub permanently. Summer never ends with the Trinity. Oh. 